It's time now for Detoxifying the Soul, brought to you by Kathy Harris Ministries. Kathy Harris, and I'm so glad that you joined me here today on Detoxifying the Soul. Detoxifying the Soul is a strategic antidote sent forth from the kingdom of God to eradicate every negative toxic influence of your past. We're here to root out, pull down, throw down, and destroy every hindrance in your spirit, soul, and body so that you can fulfill your unique God-given destiny. You know, the word detoxify comes from the root word detox, which simply is a place where people come to be detoxified. Well, you're in the right place at the right time so that you can begin the process of spiritual detoxification through the word of God. When you detoxify something or someone, you are removing the toxic or poisonous substance or counteracting its toxic effects. Jesus declares in John 15 and three, now you are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. God has some things to say to you today. So come on, launch out into the deep and defeat the enemies of your soul. Praise God. Well, God is good. Amen. And you may be seated in his mercies endure forever amen well welcome to healing school glory to god amen this is the day that the lord hath made and we will rejoice and be glad in it we're expecting good things to happen today because jesus is lord we're expecting good things to happen because he's already been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. He declared all power, all authority was given unto him. So we can expect great things to happen today because we know who created the day, amen. Hallelujah, God is love and love never fails, amen. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk to you about total resolve concerning healing. Total resolve, R-E-S-O-L-V-E. I know sometimes that my Indiana accent kind of comes out, so. Total resolve, total resolve. And those of you that have not been in healing school before, Pastor Greg is not here today, and I'm Kathy Harris, and we're delighted to have you. And as you sit before the word, God will not fail you. Hallelujah. His word will make progress in your life. It will finish the work that he has started in you. And so you have come to the table of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who keeps his promises. Hallelujah. When we come to God, we know that his word, amen, he will not deny. So as we sit at his table and hear his word, know that the word is spirit and it is life and it is working mightily in you. 
total resolve. One of the things that the word of God will do in us is create resolve. And we're going to go over that and we're going to go over some things today to help build your faith so that you can obtain everything that God has for you. Whatever you come hungry for, know that God will satisfy the hungry. Whatever you've come thirsty for, know that God will fulfill and satisfy your thirst. Whatever you're longing for, whatever that desire is in him, know that he is able to fulfill it. There is no limit, no impossibility in God. We serve a mighty God. And whenever we approach the word, it's so important that we look unto Jesus. We have to see God for who he is. He is not a man. <laughs> he is not a mortal being. He is God. All by himself, he's God. He is the invisible, immortal, ever-living Alpha and Omega. Who is greater than him? <laughs> who can deny, who can, who can, and when God has said something, when God has blessed, who can curse? He's God. And when we become fully persuaded in who he is, we will realize quickly in all things, nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Hallelujah, he created us. Amen. And if anything goes wrong, God is able to fix it. <laughs> Amen. Total resolve. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, you're familiar with this. You can turn to it if you want to. You don't have to. He said, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. He said, my son or my daughter, he said, attend or incline your ear unto my sayings. And this is very important because the word of God has a job to do in our lives, but we have a part to play. Because if we don't take the time, if we don't set aside time to attend to, to make God's word a priority, then God's word can't do what it's commissioned to do. Now, the Bible says over in the book of Isaiah, God said, my word will not return unto me void. He said, but it will accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. So God is confident in his word. He has great assurance that his word will fulfill what he sends his word to do. He says over in the book of Psalms 107 and 20, he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from all destruction. God is fully confident that his word meets the job description and has the ability and the power within itself to fulfill itself without any aid on our part. We don't add anything to and we don't take anything away from the word. It is fully complete when it arrives. Amen. It is fully complete. It is fully loaded with everything you and I need to get the job done. So when we read God's word, it's just like it is. If God says it, then he meant what he said. And he has put everything in that word to fulfill what he said. Because God cannot lie. The word resolve means to come to a firm decision. 
about something. It means to dispel doubts and anxieties. And anxieties including worries and fears and questions and if and buts and maybe so. Resolve means to dispel doubts and anxiety. It means to have a firmness of purpose. A firmness of purpose. You know, when we come to uh, the table of the Lord, when we come to his word, what, what is our purpose? What, what do we desire? The disciples came to Jesus and, and, and he, he asked them, he said, what, what do you seek? What do, what do you seek today? When we come to the word, there should be firm purpose because the word has directive. It has directives and it has direction. And God sent his word for a purpose. So when we come to the word, we come with firm purpose, meaning I will not be distracted. I will not be allured to the left or lured to the right. Don't be distracted by that. I think it's the church calling me. Maybe they did that on purpose. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to not be distracted from the word by anything because there will be things in our peripheral view that will try to distract us when we come to the word. There'll be things that'll try to come up into our mental images and pictures and, and things of the past and, and oh my foot hurt and things that will try to distract you, but we must have firm purpose. I just turned that off. should end that. Thank you for your patience. A firm purpose, a total letting go and leaning of your entire being, spirit, soul, and body on God. This is total resolve. And when I say total, I mean absolute. Having nothing in the back pocket. You know what I mean. Having nothing that I can rely on in and of myself. Because knowing this, that the word of God is complete. It's complete. It will do what it needs to do when I totally rely on it. But if I waver, if I have, the Bible said a double-minded man over in the book of James is unstable in all of his ways. Because if I try to have a little bit of the word of God and a little bit of my own reasoning, a little bit of my own understanding, a little bit of what I think maybe could be just so happen, then what I do is I take away from the word. I take away from its authority. I take away from its dominion and its power saying you need my help just a little bit. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Not, not one bit. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did it with his word, with no help from anything or anybody else. The Bible said that his word, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Singleness. 
of strength and purpose, the word of God needs nothing. <laughs> it needs nothing. It doesn't need a doctor's okay. It doesn't need a lawyer's amen. It's all God got to do is send it. It's all he has to do is speak it. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. Once I speak it, that's all that is necessary <laughs> for my word to do what it needs to do on God's part, okay? Now, God's word, uh, again, going back to God's word, part of its description is to create this resolve in us where we are absolutely, completely persuaded. There's no doubt. Uh, there's, no, there's no wavering. There's no question. Total resolve. Total, complete trusting in God. The Bible says... The Bible says over in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 10 in the Amplified, and after you have suffered a while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. Now, again, I'm talking about total resolve when we're coming into the knowledge of the truth about healing. Peter says here, after you have suffered a while, and I, I just want to talk about that real short, real short, because I want everybody to understand that God is not talking about suffering because he sent a sickness or a disease in your life. And I'm sure that most of you know that, that sickness and disease is from the devil. It's from the kingdom of darkness because Jesus died on the cross and he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The Bible says the chastisement of his peace, was, our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. And so God wouldn't do something to that great measure, do something uh, 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 in such a way just to only put sickness and disease back on us. So we do understand that God has given us light in that area because um, sometimes when we don't have light in that area we think that God is causing us to suffer and we may read a scripture like this and say see there the Bible said after you have suffered a while but I want to talk about <clears throat> this suffering in relation to persecution persecution <clears throat> in your life while you're standing to see the manifestation because see after you have suffered a while talking about that okay now you're believing the word of God now you have uh, come to the scripture and you said, Lord, I present my body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before you, which is my reasonable service, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I accept the blood of Jesus. I accept what he did on the cross. I accept that he healed me uh, 2,000, 6,000 years ago. And, and fa so, Father God, I, 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 I am uh, uh, getting in your word to, to become totally resolved in truth, to be totally persuaded. And so along this way, 
he says, after you have suffered a while, because most of you that have stood on the word of God for anything know that persecution will come for the word's sake. And the enemy will try to get you off of your steadfastness. He will try to get you off of your patience. He will try to make you move from your stance of faith through bringing pressure. And sometimes in, in, in reading this scripture, he said, after you have suffered a while, meaning people have talked about you. They have laughed, mocked, and laughed. They have said, you know, why don't you go get some help because it doesn't look like the word of God is working for you. When Jesus was on the cross, why don't you, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't God help you come down from that cross? Why don't you do something else? Because it looks like to me that what you're doing is not working. How many of you know that is persecution? And that persecution, depending on who it's from, depending on if it's somebody that you was... <clears throat> believing to maybe stand with you and believe God for, for your healing, for your deliverance from something. And, um, and, and then the suffering comes, the, the standing against the opposition that's trying to make you move off of your faith. The Bible said after you've suffered a while, meaning I've stood and I've stood therefore. I refused to be removed off of the word of God. I refused to come down from the wall. I refused to look away from the word of God at my symptoms. I refused to buckle down and bow to the enemy's uh, pressures to try to make me feel like um, that I should be afraid. I should be afraid because everybody that's looking at me is afraid because of what they see. Because one of the things that we must, as Christians, whether you're sick or not, there comes a time in your life you must resolve concerning death. Because if a person's sole reason for getting healed is because they're afraid of death, then faith won't work for them. Because faith will not work in the midst of fear. And Jesus, he took the sting out of death. He said, O oh, grave, where is thy victory? O oh, death, where is thy sting? And sometimes the world and the enemy will cause people to try to have, will try to create a pressure to fear death. Well, we know, we know what happens to a Christian when he passes away, when he leaves this world. Is that not right? We know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the enemy creates an atmosphere of fear and anxieties and doubt through death by causing people to say, see, even when you mention the word death, some people get real hush and quiet and they be like, don't, don't say that because if you say that, it might come in the room. Well, death doesn't have any power over us. Are you with me? And, and, and I know this and I am resolved. In, 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 the, in the knowing of the word of God to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What do I have to fear? You see, what do I have to fear? But I have to come to terms with my own heart and say, you know, are you anxious because you're afraid of death? Because if there's any fear, then it has to be rooted out no matter what its root is, no matter what its cause, no matter what um, is, the, is the backbone of its existence. What, what, are my, what are my beliefs on death? 
Am I struggling to live? Am I fighting? Am I, am I, am I doing all these things? Because I, I, I don't want to die because I'm afraid. Oh, death, where is thy sting? I'm living because God says with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. I'm living because the blood of Jesus has provided life and life more abundantly for me. I'm living because there's a course, there's a race for me to run. My course isn't done. And until I'm finished, I'll live and I'll live strong. And I defy the curse. I resist its operations in my life. Jesus said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. You couldn't remove him from his race until he gave up the ghost. Death had no power over him until he said, it's time. Are you with? He wasn't afraid of death because he knew he had the power <laughs> to subdue it. The Bible says in the beginning God blessed us and he said be fruitful and multiply and replenish and subdue and have dominion. Yeah. <laughs> are you with me? When we're at a loved one's bedside, are we praying fervently just because we're afraid? Because we're afraid of death in their life? If that's the cause, that is something that can stop our faith. It's something that can make us movable instead of immovable are you with me I'm gonna preach this today I might get radical because of all these interruptions but one of the things that we must become resolved in am I leaning on my own understanding am I Causing, am I allowing the enemy to cause a breach in my life because I've not strengthened myself concerning life and death? Not only did Jesus purchase our healing, but he e purchased eternal life. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Why was he saying these things? So that we could be comforted in knowing that death for us is not misery. Are you with me? It's just going from one place <laughs> to another. And heaven is our home. And you say, you might say, you know, Kathy, that is so morbid. No, it's not. It's truth that must be revealed. Because we look at, let's look at just for instance, let's look at a couple of people's lives in the scripture. And we'll see where total resolve came in in their life because of what Jesus told them. Now, <clears throat> over in the book of Matthew chapter 9, the Bible talks about different people being healed and, and Jesus um, and them exercising their faith in the word of God. And, 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 and it was different circumstances. But one of the circumstances over there <clears throat> talked about um, Jairus. And we know the story. There was... There was Jairus, there was the woman with the issue of blood, and there was the two blind men. And I want to talk about them real quickly. <clears throat> because Jairus was coming on behalf of someone else. And maybe you're here today on behalf of someone else. 
And maybe you're hearing the word of God so that you can minister life to them or you're coming in faith for them so that they can be healed. And Jairus wasn't necessarily coming for himself to Jesus, but he was coming for his daughter who was lying at home pretty close to death. And so we see that in that situation, in that circumstance, there was an urgency on Jairus' part to get to Jesus because he had to get to the one who had true life, the one who could actually do something in the situation. Are you with me? And so Jairus made his way to Jesus because evidently he had heard that Jesus uh, was doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And so, you know, if, if, if somebody that you love is near death, you're not playing around going all around town, knocking on everybody's doors in hope that you might come to the right door. No, he was going to Jesus. He was making his way to Jesus because he had his faith in what Jesus could do for him and his daughter. He was going to the right place. And he came to Jesus and he said, my daughter lay at home and she is uh, near death. She lied um, near death. Will you come? And Jesus was on his way to uh, pray uh, and, and raise up Jairus' daughter. And we know that on the way, the woman with the issue of blood came. But I'm going to further talk about Jairus just a little bit because it involves death. It involves death. Sometimes those, that which we skip over. Are you with me? And so he, the, on the way there, we know the woman with the issue of blood stopped Jesus and she received her healing, so forth and so on. We'll talk about her in a minute. But when, before Jesus could get to Jairus' house, someone ran to him and said, don't trouble yourself. Don't, don't trouble God. Your daughter's already died. Now see, Jairus had to... Um, deal with, in that instance, the word death, because to so many, death is final. Death is something that the Bible said the world without Christ, all of their life are in bondage because of the fear of death. Before we were born again, that's something that was the great unknown. Because people didn't really know. Most of us don't know anyone who, well, you might, personally have died and come back. And so most people just see people at the funeral or they heard of somebody dying. So it, was a, it created a great fear, a great unknown. So when Jairus had heard, he probably thought, I'm too late. But it's something that Jesus said to Jairus to create resolve. Stand fast. Be firm in what you believe. It's not over. Letting him know death means Jesus, meaning Jesus letting Jairus know that I'm not afraid of death. Death has no power over me. But in vice versa, Jesus was going to show him how God has power over death. And he looked at Jairus, and what did he say? He said, he said, uh, fear not, only believe, only believe. Now, most people that you would talk to in the world, they would probably be concerned about you because of the way people perceive death. No one can do anything about it, so they fear it. All their life long, they're in bondage 
to something that they know they have no power over. But Jesus knew. And so with, all great, with great confidence and authority, he knew what he could do, but he looked at Jairus to build confidence in him and said, fear not. Because soon as death was spoken, fear came. Because Jairus had to have some hope. He had to have some confidence because he had come to Jesus and now Jesus is coming to my house and it seemed like things are looking up, but now that big word death steps in. But the word was present. The word of God was present. And when death showed up, we see where fear came in. But God dispels fear through what? The word of God. The Bible said perfect love will cast out fear because fear has torment. Are you with me? Okay. So we move on to where Jesus went to the house and what came? When Jesus got to the house, the Bible said they began to laugh at him. Taking you back to 1 Peter. See, when you begin to tell people, you know, I'm believing God for, for my healing. I believe that by his stripes I'm healed. You'll begin to hear the mockery and you'll begin to hear the words of, of unbelief. And, you know, you know, yeah, I understand that God heals and everything, but your situation is different. You're an exception to the rule. You know, that what you have is uncurable. That which you have is terminal. That which you have is chronic, meaning as if those words are over God. Are you with me? And so when Jesus got to the house, they, when he came, now here he is, life himself. Here he is, the resurrection and the life. Here he is, God himself. He steps in the house and they begin to laugh at him and to mock him. And Jesus put him out. That's a word to the wise. <laughs> Jesus put them out. And what happened? Jairus' house received a miracle. They had to get beyond the stigma of death. 